Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. When I was in high school, I grew up in a good biblical Lutheran church, and we learned about the second coming of Christ. But I had a buddy in high school named Dana, and he went to a pretty liberal congregational church. One day he and I are talking about God, and I said, well, you know, when Christ comes back, and he stops me, what? I said, well, you know, when Christ returns, he's coming back? He said, he had never heard of the second coming of Christ. You know, just in case you have never heard how the world is going to end, on this program, I want to share with you the four final events that usher in the end of time. So let's pray and let's go at this. <clears throat> Father, we pray if there's anyone watching this show that doesn't understand that one day Christ will indeed return, that you'll open their ears and their hearts to hear what the Bible now has to say. And Lord, those of us who are Christians, just strengthen us in our faith as we hear these old verses again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Four final events. Event number one comes from Luke chapter 21, verse 25. Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and upon the earth dismay among the nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Men will faint from fear with expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The first thing that happens at the end of time is Jesus descends in the clouds. Everybody will see Christ return in glory. Now, have you ever wondered how that's going to work? I mean, here, I brought my globe here today. And here we are in North America, and we have one skyline. The people over in China have a totally different skyline. How will Jesus come down for everybody in the world to see him? You know, I, I don't know how God's going to do that. You know, some people think, well, it'll be televised. I think that's iffy. But, you know, God created the universe. Somehow, in some way, God's going to make it so everybody sees Christ return in the clouds at the end of time. That's number one. Second thing that happens at the end of time, John chapter 5, Jesus said this, verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear shall live. Down to verse 28. Do not marvel at this. An hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and shall come forth those that have done the evil deeds to a resurrection of life, those who have committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So number one, Jesus comes down in the clouds, and then number two, all the dead are raised. The dead are raised. Now, I've been a pastor for 40 years now. 
I'm an old guy. For 40 years I've been preaching. But you know, the, the question I've gotten more than any other question in my 40 years, you know, maybe I just did a sermon and somebody will come up, well, Pastor, is Grandma in heaven now or is she waiting till Judgment Day to be raised from the dead? I get that question a lot. And the answer is both. Follow this. The Bible does teach, today you will be with me in paradise. When you die, your spirit immediately goes to heaven. But the Bible also teaches that your body will be raised in glory on the last day. So what I tell people is, your grandma, if she knew Christ, her spirit is in heaven right now. She's conscious with the Lord. But grandma hasn't gotten her new resurrection body yet. Like us on earth, the saints in heaven are waiting for the last day to be gloriously raised and united with their perfect new resurrection body. So he comes down in the clouds. Number two, he raises the dead. Third thing that happens, and this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And, and remember, the Apostle Paul is writing this to Christians. Here's what he says, quote, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive according to what one has done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. So the first thing, Jesus comes down in the clouds. Number two, he raises the dead. Third thing that happens, Jesus will judge the world. One by one, we will go stand before Christ and he will judge us. And Christians also, will go through Judgment Day. I, I know a pastor, he's a great guy, biblical guy, but he preached a, a sermon where he made a mistake. And he said, because of the cross of Christ, Christians don't have to go through Judgment Day. No, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 was written to Christians. Now, I know the final verdict. I know I'll be forgiven. I'll go to heaven on Judgment Day because of Christ. But I still have to go through Judgment Day. And Christian, hear this. God expects you as a Christian to live a holy life, a holy life. So we need to know that now and not discover that on the last day. Number one, Jesus comes down in the clouds. Number two, he raises the dead. Number three, everyone, Christians included, go through Judgment Day. And then the last event. This is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 where we read. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, that is, unexpectedly, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to thus be destroyed, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Number one, he comes down in the clouds. Number two, he raises the dead. Number three, all the dead are judged. And then number four, everything melts. In other words, this Alka-Seltzer is the world. This water is the day of the Lord. 
And this is the world on the day of the Lord. Everything melts and dissolves. That means your car is going to melt, your house is going to melt, your jewelry is going to melt. All these things we spend so much time and energy in, it's all going to melt. And, and I keep this on my wall. It's a plaque that says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else melts. So Peter is writing here, if everything's going to melt, what kind of people ought we to be? Let's not live for things that are going to melt. Let's live for things that are eternal. <laughs> so let me ask you the question. Are you right now living for eternal things or for things that are going to melt? You know, you will never see these words on a gravestone. I wish I would have spent more time at the office. You'll never see that on a gravestone. And, and, and my question for you is, are you living for, for Christ and for eternal things or are you spending all your days on things that are going to melt? I'll tell you what I thought of. My dad ran the big horse race track in Omaha, Nebraska, and it wasn't just a horse race track, it was a coliseum, lots of big, beautiful buildings. It was a huge, beautiful complex. Dad was a workaholic and he lived for that place. Dad died of a heart attack, not, not a heart attack, dad died of a brain tumor when he was 53 years old. Now, when I was a teenager, I worked at the racetrack as an usher in the stands. I had all the millionaire boxes and, and I would be their usher. Well, racing came to a close in Omaha, and Dad had long ago died, but now the track is done. And years ago, I went jogging, and I thought, for nostalgia's sake, I'm going to go sit up in the old stands. And I went up, and I sat in these millionaire boxes that I used to take care of, and the whole grandstand was falling apart like a ghost town. And I just sat there, and I prayed, you know, I can't remember exactly, but I think the prayer was, Lord, help me live for things that are going to last, not for things that are going to fall apart. And you know, Exarbon Racetrack now is totally gone. I mean, they've torn down absolutely everything. Uh, let me ask you this. Are you living for Christ and for eternal things that are going to last, or are you putting energy in things that are going to melt? All right. You've learned now the four things that happen at the end of time. He comes down in the clouds, raises the dead, judges the world, everything melts. I want to ask you to keep those four things in your head. They might come in handy. One day the doorbell rings. At the door are three moon, moon people, followers of the Reverend Sung Myung Moon, Moonies. And the moon people believe that Jesus failed on his first mission, so Jesus had to come back to earth to get it right. So in 1920 in Korea, the Reverend Sung Myung Moon was born. He is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I listened to them, I was very polite, but I finally said, can I tell you what Jesus said before he died on the cross? He said, disciples, watch out, because after I die, phonies will come claiming to be me. But don't believe them. You'll know me when you see me. I'll come down on the clouds, raise the dead, judge the world, etc. I said to the Moonies, Reverend Moon hasn't come down on the clouds. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't judged the world. He hasn't melted things with fire and brought in the new heavens and the new earth. And I said, till he does that, he's a $3 bill. Well, when I said those words years ago, 
Reverend Moon was alive. Now he's dead. So my point is made even better. But um, beware of people that say they're the second coming because they pop up periodically. All right. One last point. We've talked about how the world is going to end. There's a bigger question. Are you ready for that day? It could be tonight. It could happen at any time. I mean, I, 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 I've shared this before, but I always pray before I get on the airplane. God, if it's your will, put me next to someone to talk to about Christ. I get on the plane, and I'm sitting next to a 12-year-old boy named Matthew. And the plane takes off, and we start talking, and uh, Matthew, do you go to church? Oh, yes. First Baptist Church, Sarasota, Florida. I said, well, good, I'm a pastor. And I said, Matthew, can I just ask you what you've learned at your church? He said, okay. And I said, Matthew, do you know what the Trinity is? He said, I've never heard of the Trinity. I said, well, there's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God and three eternal persons. Well, he knew Jesus was God, but he didn't know the Trinity. So I said, well, Matthew, let me ask you another question. Do you know how the world's going to end? He said, I didn't know it was going to end. So I explained, Jesus comes down on the clouds, raises the dead, judges the world, everything melts. Well, he, hadn't, he didn't, hadn't heard this, so I thought I'd better get to the big one. I said, Matthew, let's say something happens to the engines of this plane, and in five minutes we go down in flames, we're dead. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And he was very quiet, and he said, finally, I guess I don't. So I explained to him how to be sure where you spend eternity. I want to do that right now for you. Can I ask you to do something? Would you close your eyes? Let's just close our eyes. And, and with your eyes closed, I want you to picture this as I speak. Would you picture this? The world has just ended. Everything has melted. And now you alone are led into God's courtroom for your judgment day to, to give an account to God for how you lived your life. While you're standing before God, the devil comes into the courtroom. The word devil literally means the accuser. And he starts to accuse you of all your sins. And he's right. And then there's a jury. And it's a big jury. The jury is made up of all your sins. And they start accusing you. And you stand there in the courtroom shivering. At that point, what do you do? At that point, you call for your defense attorney, and Jesus Christ steps into the courtroom, and Jesus looks at you, points at you, and says, Heavenly Father, do you see this person on trial before you? Well, I have paid for all the sins he has ever committed. When I died on the cross at Calvary, I took his punishment, I took his sentence for him, and he believed in me and trusted me for that. So, Father, on the basis of my atonement at Calvary, I ask you for a favorable verdict. And then God the Father will look, for you, look at you, click his gavel, and say, Not guilty. Next. <laughs> and then you will go to heaven for eternity. Open your eyes. Second coming could happen tonight, or your death could happen tonight. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? The Bible says this, believe on, that means trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Amen. 
Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, in light of your sermon today, the first question I guess I have for you is, do you actually think we are in the end times? Well, you know, it's interesting, Jackie. The Apostle Paul, way back in the first century, talked as if we are in the end times. And there's a sense in which, ever since Christ rose from the dead, that, that issued in the end of time, which is this 2,000 year period. So we are in the, the end times in that sense, because the whole new creation has started. How many times have people said? See, that's the point. Every, you know, in the Middle Ages with the Black Plague, oh, it's the end of time. Or in World War II, uh, Hitler's the Antichrist, it's the end of time. So here, here's my point. Jesus said you don't know the day or hour, therefore always be ready. But the Bible also teaches when you see these things taking place, know that he is at the very gates. So are we in the end times? I just don't know. But the point is we're always to be trusting in Christ, staying ready and alert. And be prepared for And the be end. prepared. Okay. All right, then I guess my next question would be is, Will God bring up my sins on Judgment Day to me? Yeah, yeah. Or is it too Well, late? you know, when He forgives, He forgets. So on Judgment Day, and we Christians do have to go through Judgment Day, will He bring up my sins? I think I want to say no to that if they've been confessed and repented of. But on the hand, other hand, Jackie, what about the sins you never talk to God about? Maybe you do you know about them. God may have to talk to, to us about some of those sins that we didn't confess. Okay, well that leads me to the next question for okay. you then is, why do Christians go through Judgment Day if they are already saved? Right, so here's the, here, uh, yeah, I heard a pastor make a mistake on that and he said Christians don't go through Judgment Day because of the cross. Second Corinthians chapter five is written to Christians, like I said. So, um, Jackie, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter three, Christians are going to stand before God on Judgment Day too. Some go into heaven with great reward. Some go into heaven but having lost their reward. So in other words, our, our rewards, Christians will go into heaven with different rewards. I mean, just to get in is gonna be wonderful, but there are people who go into heaven with great reward and those who lose their reward, though they're still saved. That's all 1 Corinthians chapter three. So for Christians, Judgment Day is a day to see what the rewards are going to be. You know, Pastor Brock, cremation has become so much more popular with people. Yeah. How will God raise the dead if they are cremated? Yeah. A question we often get by our viewers is, what do you think of cremation? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, let me tell you, in the book of Revelation, it talks about those that died at sea, and God's gonna raise them, so they're decomposed, so God, God knows how to put them back together. People who have been cremated will be put back together. So, and, and the history of the church has been opposed to cremation. You know, Hindus get cremated. In fact, back in, Jackie, get this, until 1930, when a, a, a Hindu man died in India, he would be burned on the funeral pyre, Often, the wife would get on top of him and be burned with her husband. That was true into the 1930s. But in Christianity, we, through the ages, have kind of frowned. The church has frowned on cremation. But I, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't do it. I personally don't want it. I don't want my body to be burned. Just put me in the grave. So, um, but I can't say it's wrong. 
Okay. Yeah. So will our new resurrection bodies look like our old bodies? Yeah. I mean, is there anything that yeah. clarifies well, that? Well, here's the deal. I think our resurrection body will be like Jesus' resurrection body. And if you remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, sometimes people didn't recognize him, and he could zoom in and out of rooms without opening the door. And he said, put your fingers here, Thomas, into my nail prints. So Jesus' nail prints were still there after he rose from the dead. And yeah, so it was a spiritual body, not a physical body, but his physical body rose and was transformed. Jesus' physical body also rose. That's important to maintain. Uh, he, uh, but uh, in, in fact, G the disciples, when Jesus rose from the dead, thought he was a ghost. And he said, touch and feel me. I've got flesh and blood. So we will be raised, but our body will be transformed. Will I still have this or that or the way I looked? I don't know how that works, but Jesus still had the nail prints even after he got his glorified body. You know, I never thought about it that yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess my next question is kind of a two-part one, mm -hmm. is that, you know, people have grandmas, they live to be 90 years old. Are they gonna be 90 years old for all eternity then? Yeah. And I have another part Go to ahead. this question, yeah, yeah. is that if somebody loses a baby or a baby dies, Will that person always, that little baby, be a baby for the mm -hmm. rest of, of eternity. eternity? And my answer is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I do Tom, know. it's so nice <laughs> to know that there's something you don't know. Oh, a lot of stuff. But here's the deal. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration before he went to die on the cross, Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament appeared to them. Damn. And the three of the disciples saw this. Now, did they look like Moses and Elijah when they were in the Old Testament day? We just don't know. I, you know, I don't know if somebody's going to look like grandma for eternity or look like a two-year-old for eternity. You know, maybe we'll all be spiritly raised from the dead with these perfect new bodies and all be, I don't know, look like we're 30. We just, a lot of this stuff, we'll just have to wait and see how God pans it out. Yeah. Okay, well, one more on the family okay. things than that. You know, we have this, will we know our loved ones in heaven? Mm -hmm. And I guess the second part of that question that I would like you to answer is, will we feel bad if they are not? Yeah. And I mean, will we have feelings? Will we know? Oh, I, think, I think we'll be rejoicing in heaven. I, uh, so here's the deal. Well, I know that was grandma and there's my husband. Well, the Bible teaches you won't be married in heaven. There's no marriage in heaven because you don't need to populate heaven because nobody ever dies, so you don't need kids. But Jesus said this, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Jackie, I've never seen Abraham, but Jesus says, I'm going to know, well, there's Abraham, and there's Isaac. and there, So I'm thinking, I'm, oh, there's, there's my grandma, you know, there, there's my spouse, you know. So I think you'll know who they are, but you won't have the same relationship you had while you were on earth. So, Tom, I guess one more thing. Can you explain exactly what is the rapture? Yeah. And is everybody going through right. it? The word rapture means caught up. And so it means when we're caught up in the air to be with Christ at the second coming. Now there are two different views that Christians have. The view that's very popular in America, though not in church history, is called the pre-tribulation rapture. And these Christians believe that seven years before Christ returns, what do we got? We got some minutes. Seven years before Christ returns, they believe Christians disappear and go to heaven. 
and then the Antichrist comes and the awful times, and then Christ comes back seven years later. Other Christians, and this is the dominant view in, in 2,000 years of church history, this is the one I hold, Christians are here till the end. We don't disappear seven years before Christ comes back. We're here till the end, until Christ comes back. That's the way I understand the scriptures. But it's very, a very common belief in a lot of American Christianity that we disappear seven years before the second coming, which, and, and I, people, don't send me books. Uh, people send me books on this, and Pastor Brock, you're wrong. And, and it's not like I haven't studied this. Overwhelmingly, for 2,000 years, Christians have believed when Christ returns, that's when Christians go to heaven, not seven years before. And then they have verses they think teach that. I looked at those verses. I don't think they teach that. So there we go. You know, Tom, there's so many people that are suffering right now in that. I guess, how, how do we deal with those things, I mean, to mm -hmm. help that person? Yeah. You know, part of it, Jackie, uh, you, you've gone through physical suffering lately, so have I with my operation. And part of, the, part of the thing we do is to sing that old Woody Guthrie song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure and my hope lie far beyond the blue where many Christian children have traveled on before and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. So I think what we do is, as Christians, we gotta go through the same crud everybody else does, but we know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. When I die, my sins are forgiven, I'm gonna be with Jesus. So we, we cling to that hope. <laughs> Tom, we've just got a little over a minute left. Okay. Is there anything you wanna close with? Yeah, you know, everybody, just I ask you to pray for our TV show. Pray that we reach many people for Christ. We have done this show for 30 years. And then eight years ago, we went nationally and we expanded. But Jackie nor I knew we would still be here because it's expensive to buy this airtime. So would you pray for our ministry that, that God will keep it going? And if the Lord nudges you to support, there's a phone number, there's an address at the end of the show, and there's also a website where people uh, support us. So just thank you for all your contributions because people have been very generous or you wouldn't be hearing this show. And just pray for us and remember that Christ is going to come back and it could be tonight. Take care. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.